The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years and the underdog for a third consecutive playoff game this postseason. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports zone by Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. And Matt, I want to start with uh, General Manager Brett Veach and uh, you know, basically you know, the organization. Not every organization can work this well together. How has Veach and his staff, including the scouts, been able to pull this off? And how much does Andy Reid actually contribute to the personnel decisions? Yeah, you know, it is, it's, an, it's an eclectic group because you have uh, you have some uh, people in the organization, the front office, who, you know, were here actually before uh, John Dorsey and, and Brett Beach came in. And remember, you know, Brett Beach was uh, you know, really one of Andy Reid's people that kind of came in and came over to Kansas City with him and joined the organization. And, and so it is kind of an interesting group, but it's also a fairly young group. Um, and you've seen some, some people that are even underneath Brett, Brett Beach now who have moved on. Ryan Poles is the general manager in Chicago. Uh, Brant Tillis just basically took his job. It's going to make him the number two at Carolina in the front office. Um, so they've, they've been getting some talent that has been leaving, but they've also been a group that's been together, really, uh, by and large, for the last 10 years. Because outside of John Dorsey, I mean, he hired this group, but Brett didn't make a whole lot of changes when he took over as GM. So it's been a, a kind of a young group that's worked together. And I, I think you also see that it's a, it's a collaborative relationship with Andy Reid, too. Um, Reid doesn't have the same kind of involvement that he did in Philadelphia as far as just getting down into the details of uh, transactions in the draft. I mean, he, he trusts Beach with a lot of the moves that he just makes, um, certainly has input, but um, he really gives that front office free reign to do what they think is right for the club and right for the future. Meanwhile, you know, the ingredients of this really good defense, a lot of it has come through the draft here in the last couple of years, a lot of it. You know, which individual additions do you think have had the most influence of this becoming an elite-level defense? Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a kind of a series of moves because – and I really go back to 2019, especially as far as building the defense, because that's when Steve Spagnuolo came in. And and when Steve got here, I mean, it was obviously a defense built for a 3-4. So, you know, getting the right personnel to play his 4-3 defense is so it was kind of a work in progress. And then, you know, the last couple of years has really been the focus on just finding the, the body types and the right kind of players – that he likes as far as on the defensive line and at cornerback. And you know, you've seen them invest a lot in just these long, lean, lengthy corners and, and let Dave Merritt and Steve Spagnuolo just kind of mold them into what they need, and that's really worked well. Um, it's also worked having Joe Cullen here the last couple of years because they have been able to invest in some young players on the defensive line and let him kind of, once again, carve them into what Steve Spagnuolo needs. And even Chris Jones will tell you that you know, Joe Cohen's been a big part of what they've done, making him even a better player the last couple of years, too. So it's been a kind of a, a combination. I mean, certainly it's, it's Brett Veach in the front office finding the, the right talent that fits, and, and they've, had, they've had a lot of success, especially at cornerback, in finding you know, guys in the later rounds, you know, day two, day three, even undrafted guys. You know, Chavez Ward is a, you know, was an undrafted player that they, they acquired in a trade with Dallas as a rookie. Um, that's now you know, a star for San Francisco. He's an all-pro. I mean, um, so they haven't had any problems finding talent there and then coaching them up. Okay, so let's get into this week a little bit. You know, Joe Tooney, because of the pec injury, not likely to play this week. How much will he be missed? 
Yeah, I mean, you're always going to miss an all-pro. There's no doubt about that. But the Chiefs are pretty lucky that they've got a fifth-year guy, Nick Allegretti, that's their kind of sixth lineman. Um, he can play just about anywhere on the interior. Uh, he's played a game at center this year even, so he can play at any position. And remember, Allegretti, you know, during the 2020 you know, run to the Super Bowl, play, started in three games in the playoffs that year, including the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. So it's not a lack of experience. Um, they're a different team with Allegretti. I mean, obviously you have to just kind of shade your protections a little bit differently. Um, his strength is more run blocking. Tooney's a, a more proficient pass protector. Um, so it's a little bit different. But the Chiefs, I mean, obviously there's a drop off. I think they can't tell you that there's not. But Allegretti has been you know, more than capable of filling in and obviously did a really good job in the AFC Championship game. On the defensive side, you know, defensive linemen and, and different difference maker, especially late in the season, Charles Amenahu suffered the torn ACL in the AFC Championship game. How will they try to compensate without him? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, their first-round draft pick, Felix Anadike Uzama, has been inactive the last few games. He will probably be up this week, but how much he plays, you know, he will be more maybe a, a third down, you know, a situational pass rusher. Um, they've got Malik Herring that they can also give a few snaps to. But honestly, I mean, I, I think what they'll probably do is end up just giving more work to Mike Dana, George Karloftis, and even kicking Chris Jones out inside when needed. Um, there's no tomorrow. So, <laughs> you know, with these guys, they're not going to be afraid to play them for as many snaps as they need. Karloftis and Dana are both young guys, so they can handle the workload. Um, I would expect them to get the bulk of it. Maybe you sprinkle in Herring and, and Felix when you just need to give the guys a breather and, in certain situations. But other than that, I mean, I, I think Colin and Spagnuolo are going to go with the, their most experienced guys. Willie Gay, uh, he got injured early in that Buffalo game, didn't play against Baltimore, but didn't even appear on the uh, practice report after Wednesday's uh, uh, session out there in Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm assuming he's. I'm assuming he's returning. Uh, how's his expected return? You know, bolster that defense. What's he bring that's been missing for basically the last two games? Well, the, I think the biggest thing that Willie Gay absolutely gives that defense is they they call him the energy giver. They call him Juice for a reason because uh, he's just a spark plug. I mean, absolutely. Whether it's on the field or on the sideline, Willie Gay gives that team energy. So I don't know that that's necessarily been missing it, but if they need they need a spark, if they need energy, he's the guy that's going to give it. And he's also you know the speed guy. I mean, he is somebody who you know can play with faster running backs. He can he can follow guys out of the backfield. Uh, he's a solid tackler. I mean, his his, his coverage is you know probably better than average, um, but it's really his speed and his energy on the field that gives him something. Drew Tranquil's got that kind of speed too, but I think Willie Gay is faster probably the fastest of their linebackers, so that's probably the one you know specific advantage that they get in this game. And I think you got to have that when you have a, a guy like McCaffrey in the backfield. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest, currently in the sports zone. Uh, you mentioned Spagnola. We all know that he loves the blitz. Black, Brock Purdy has actually been highly efficient win blitz, so how do you think uh, the Chiefs will try to get pressure on Purdy? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Chiefs is going to be pretty simple. It's what Steve Spagnuolo likes to do. It's, you know, you, you try and contain them on first and second down, get them in the third down situation, third and long, so you can go after the quarterback. And and he will absolutely show Brock Purdy some, some moves he hasn't seen before. That's the one thing about Steve Spagnuolo is that uh, coming up with unscouted looks, throwing some things that you, wrinkles at teams that they just haven't seen on film, 
Uh, that's what he does. And he's also got the ability to, with this group, to blitz from any direction. I mean, they've got, a, right now, I mean, they, they can put 11 players on the field and, and they've got 11 proficient blitzers. They can come from the safeties, the corners, the linebackers, any, any level. And, and that's what I would expect him to do is show a lot of, uh, you know, simulated pressures, you know, to, to give Curdy an idea and make him think that the pressure is coming from one direction, but really it comes from the other. Uh, they did that pretty effectively against Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. So, you know, it's, it's, they've, they've gone up against a trio of really tough quarterbacks in this postseason that I think has prepared them for the 49ers. And they're definitely, you know, for a young quarterback, there's no doubt. Steve Spagnuolo is going to have to do some tricks for Brock Purdy that he hasn't seen yet. Chris Jones and Chris, uh, Chris Jones and George Karloftis, where are they going to line up? I'm assuming most of the time it's not going to be across from Trent Williams, but you know they they move all over the line. So where do you where when I'm watching this game on Sunday, where am I going to find those guys? Yeah, you're right. They they are going to move around, and and a lot of times you'll see Chris still on the inside on first and second downs, um, especially on third downs. That's when you're for sure going to see him kicking outside, and and he'll do that in earlier downs as well. But Chris also really gets to kind of pick his assignments, so he can kind of. Uh, even from down to down, I mean, if he, if he feels like there's a, a, a play that he's better suited in, a, in one position, I mean, he can be there instead. So I would expect, and Chris often does, you know, pick the, the uh, easier assignment. So I would typically like expect him to be over, lined up over the right tackle. Uh, so he will probably be on the left side of the defense. That's what I would expect. But you're right. I mean, all those guys, they, they consider them interchangeable and can really move them along. And, and even, you know, like Mike Dan is another guy, um, can kick inside, especially on, on third down. So you will see them, even without a mini view, I think you'll see them on third down, even, you know, putting four defensive ends and four edge rushers on the field at the same time. Chiefs defense on the season has, has averaged allowing just seven points per game after halftime, second half, basically. So generally speaking, what have they done differently in the second half of games pretty much all year long? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt the, the adjustments that they've been able to make from first half to second half have been just uh, elite this year. And, and, it, and that really is. I mean, they, they're not afraid to change things if they're not working. If there's, there's not a, a tendency to, to just keep doing what they do or even say, that, hey, this is what we do best. We're going to stick with that. Um, they really do have a chameleon-like defense that can adapt and change to whatever the offense is doing. Uh, so, hey, if they're, if they're getting gashed on something in the first half against the 49ers, better than even chance, they're going to figure it out at the halftime, and especially get a longer halftime in the Super Bowl. I think just gives them even more time to come up with some counter tactics to it. Uh, but it, it's been it's very impressive. I mean, they've had some moments this year some games, you know, for example, the, the Raiders, you know, in Las Vegas earlier this season, it really gashed them in the first half. And the Chiefs defense absolutely clamped them down, shut them down in the second half. Uh, if, if there's something that's working, whether it's a running back going to the tight end, you name it, uh, they seem to be able to find that and identify it and completely take it away from teams in the second half. Okay, so I wanted to make sure I got into the thing about the scouting and the defense. Uh, on to this Mahomes, dude. Uh, finally, <laughs> about 10, 10 minutes in, and uh, here we go. I, you know, we all know about him, uh, but you know, he uh, his, his approach seemingly has changed here, uh, really during the season, and specifically in these last couple of games. What specifically has changed in his approach, their offensive approach? 
Yeah, you know, and, and, and I know some people mean this as a derogatory term, but I'll say it again. I mean, I, I think it's a compliment. I mean, Mahomes has turned himself this year into a, a game manager. Uh, I All think right. I use I used that manager. term yesterday. So thank I used that term yesterday. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, I know. Oh, there you, you go. I, mean, I know. I know you weren't streaming and listening, so thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome, Bob. But he has. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, um, especially the last, you know, I would say five games for sure, but in the postseason, I'm not sure I can tell you that he has put a, a single throw in danger. I mean, every throw that he has made has been the right decision. Um, he's throwing the ball away when needed rather than forcing it into windows, which I think he was earlier in the season. You know, he still had, a, I think, a little bit of the mentality that it's on the offense and it was on him to get the offense fixed and he had to put this entire team on his shoulders. And I think late in the season, you know, it was an evol- evolution, but I think throughout the season even, you know, he realized, hey, this is a really good defense. All this offense needs to do is score some points, not turn the football over, not make mistakes, and the defense will win them games. So they've started doing that. And when Mahomes plays mistake-free football, I mean, he doesn't have to put up 450 yards for this team to win. He's realized he can put up 215. I mean, good grief, I think he could probably get away with 150, and and this team's going to win some games. I mean, his numbers last year in the Super Bowl were not spectacular, but he was still the MVP because um, he's still going to make those handful of plays during a game that can be a difference. Um, but he knows he doesn't have the same horses, same weapons at, at the skill positions this year that he's had in the past. So he's just kind of relying on what he's got, which is Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco. Um, he's not taking as many shots downfield, but when he is, it's, they're open. He's not trying to force things like he was earlier in the season. And when he plays mistake-free football, like I said, I, I, there's not a lot of teams that can beat them. Travis Kelsey, he didn't score a touchdown for nine games during the regular season. He's been a touchdown machine in the postseason. What's changed there? Uh, I think a big part of it is just health. Um, you know, have, being able to, to sit out week 18 was, a, I think, a big, you know, help for him. Remember, throughout the regular season, Travis Kelsey was basically never even close to 100%. He hyperextended his knee 48 hours before the season opener against Detroit. And as a result, was just never himself, never 100%. And you could tell it. And there was a few other dings he took here and there. Uh, late in the season, he got a stinger that kind of you know, bothered him for several games. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no doubt. This has been the most, I think, difficult season for Travis. He's kind of alluded to that and said, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been hard from a physical standpoint on him. And obviously, age is catching up with him. But this guy lives for the spotlight. And there's no doubt. That, I mean, when the, the, when the postseason starts, this guy – he brings his best, and the fact that he's now had two weeks off um, out of the last, you know, five weeks, I, I think that's just going to help him make him feel any better. Seeing him in Vegas this week, he looks he looks a lot more refreshed than I thought he looked during the last half of the season. Yeah, we, we've talked a few times during this season, including a couple of weeks ago before, uh, you know, during the, uh, the AFC playoffs. This offensive line we've talked about during the season, it, it seems like this offensive line has also improved throughout this season. Yeah, you know, it, I think there was some definitely some chemistry adjustments with having two new tackles on both ends. Um, and the Chiefs obviously were playing without Donovan Smith for a while, and Wanya Morris, a rookie, was stepping in there. Uh, they've got a really strong interior. That certainly was a strength. You know, with, with Joe Tooney when he was there, um, even with Nick Allegretti now, that's a guy that they trust. And, and Alex Reddy's been with this team for five years, so he knows the offense. He knows the communication. There's no issue there. 
but you go just with with Allegretti, Creed Humphrey is already an All Pro level you know, center. Trey Smith honestly should be right behind him. Um, this guy has just come in and been a, a, a stud at that right guard spot since day one, coming in as a rookie. And, and then you add in Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor, and there was definitely an adjustment period. Taylor obviously had the penalties through the early and mid part of the season. That's curtailed somewhat. Uh, Donovan Smith looks a lot more comfortable at the end of the year than he did at the beginning. And, and you can tell the communication is a lot more crisp. Uh, the run game has picked up, and I think that's certainly just a benefit of the, the tackles having now been in this system and this entire group getting more comfortable together. Mahomes and Andy Reid have been excellent over the years against teams trying to play zone defense against them. Baltimore a couple of weeks ago would be an example of this, obviously. The 49ers are primarily a zone defense team. Are the Chiefs expecting more man, or what are they looking for this week? Yeah, they're certainly preparing for both, you know, elements. I mean, you know, with Steve Wilkes, yeah, I mean, he is typically going to be a, a zone kind of guy, but, you know, he's also a good defensive coordinator, so they're expecting a few unscouted looks, a few wrinkles that he can come up for them. But, you know, they, with this receiver core, that's the thing, is just that they had a lot of adjustments to zones throughout this year, and especially the, the way that teams were playing them. And that circles back to our game management conversation because defenses, you know, spent most of the regular season – trying to make sure that the Chiefs couldn't throw the ball deep. Um, they were playing a zone underneath, too. So it was really, if Mahomes wanted to move the football, it's like you got to either dump it off in the flat, throw something short, throw something quick. There wasn't a lot else there. And once he started doing that, now you've seen there be some leaks, there's now some holes, because when you start just embracing that concept, and now you've got the safeties looking, you know, looking in and are expecting the ball to get thrown short, one step is all it takes, and all of a sudden, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling gets open, and he's had a couple of big catches deep the last couple of weeks. So that was one thing that was missing from this team because of just the way that a lot of defenses were playing them. If, if the 49ers start peaking a little bit and, you know, pushing up, and I think that's one edge that the 49ers do have because Steve Wilkes does seem to play his defensive backs off a little bit more. So in those zones, I mean, maybe it will be tougher for the Chiefs to push it downfield. Um, but there should be opportunities short in this zone, and that's where Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey should absolutely be able to make hay. Okay, Mahomes is an underdog. 10-1-1 against the spread, 9-3 and three straight up as an underdog. Uh, is that just a coincidence, or is there more to it than that? Uh, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's, he's affectionately called Petty Mahomes in Kansas City because he can turn any slight into an advantage and, and play that up. And, and this team is doing that this week. I mean, good grief, Bob. They're in their fourth Super Bowl in five years, and they're the mm-hmm. underdog. I mean, they, they're relishing this. They're loving this. I mean, it's them against the world they, they're, they're able to paint that picture. And I, I can't imagine how Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are able to do that. Um, but they're, they're managing, and, and they, they, they're, they're kind of embracing that. It, you know, Mahomes was asked about being the villain yesterday, and, you know, he's like, right. well, you know, I mean, if, 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 if you hate the guy who wins all the time, I'm fine with that because I like to win. And the, and the rest of the team's the same way, but I think the rest of the team is really, uh, I mean, some of them are really truly embracing the villain role. I mean, they're like, hey, if, we're gonna, if people are going to think we're the bad guy, we're just going to embrace and be the bad guy. So they're having a lot of fun with it, and that's, once again, I mean, that's why I think Mahomes is as good as he is as an underdog. He doesn't need much motivation, but when you give it to him, 
he's going to take it, and that, this, this guy does have an ability to dial it up to 11. Okay, last up, sort of the villainous underdog Chiefs win on Sunday. <laughs> I, I think they do. I mean, the 49ers, I don't think any doubt. I think we're the better team throughout the regular season. Um, but I think from well, what we've seen in the postseason, the Chiefs are playing their best football of the year. I think the defense absolutely is playing lights out elite. I mean, if they, if they were to hold the 49ers under 10 points, single digits, I mean, this is going to go down as one of the best postseason defensive performances ever. Um, it's, it's just been elite at this point. And we know that Patrick Mahomes, I, I have a hard time ever going against Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game. That usually suits you well. Uh, I, I, I think they pull it off. I don't think, if this turns into a shootout, I do think the 49ers might have a chance. Um, but I, I, I think that this Chiefs team, the way they're playing, as focused as they are, and with the additional experience in this game, this week that they have, if you give me a choice between Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy, I, I think I have to go with Patrick Mahomes. So I think the Chiefs win this one. All right, Matt, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And we really appreciate all the time, you know, over the years and, uh, you know, three or four or five times this year. And uh, I'm guessing we'll run it around again next year. So thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. I have a lot of friends in Phoenix, so it's always good to catch up with you and be able to let them hear from me. Thanks, Matt. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. Check out all his work. Lots going on this week, so um, check out Matt at Chiefs Digest. All right, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060, general discussion. We'll have some bottom line answers from today's pipeline and also time pending. We'll get to some local roundup stuff. Suns, Sun Devils, and Wildcats all play tonight. Uh, you're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castle X HD 2 100.7.